The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Welcome, all of you, to this special edition of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. This is the Kenny Plain Sports Special. And I'm going to give you a, a historic overview, a cultural overview, a an overview in terms of the uh, sporting accomplishments, his role and impact in the community uh, after his retirement, when he settled, when he was settled here in Winnipeg already with his wife and family, and a personal story about the first time I met Kenny Plane, the first time I talked to him, was to ask him for a favor, and he not only did it, I have audio that I'm going to be playing here of, uh, and tell you the story of myself, Kenny Plane, and Angelo Mosca, one of the greatest coups of my sporting career. When I started following football was 1968, and unfortunately, Kenny Plain had had enough bumps and bruises, and his time with the Bombers was uh, concluded. He retired. And I distinctly remember in the last game of the woeful 1968 season when the Bombers were completely unable to come up with, uh, couldn't find a veteran quarterback available in the CFL uh, or on the open market, and they were just stuck with a team with a lot of holes and big question marks at quarterback and guys that just were not going to be able to cut it. The team was so bad, as I recall, the quarterback, the number one quarterback, John Schneider, I think he set a, a record or a near record with like 35 interceptions in his rookie year. He felt bad for the guy. And he felt bad for the fans. The team had started spiraling uh, in planes last year again a lot of injuries that year in 1967 this was uh, concurrent with the departure of Bud Grant the first year of Joe Zaleski as a coach so I start following football and you hear Kenny Plain Kenny Plain but Kenny Plain's not there anymore he was in fact in the King Arthur sense a mythical figure who had led the home team to triumph after victory, after success, after glory. Led them to the Grey Cup as a rookie. Was moved out of the quarterback position in for the next two years, by and large. Back in the Grey Cup again. Grey Cup 1961, Grey Cup 62, Grey Cup 65, winning four of those games being on the winning side, being the a quarterback for, for uh, actually, I think all four come to think of it, in 59, I think he was a quarterback. Establishing not big records. It's a steady hand with great athletic ability. And he was, in some ways, Unitas-like. Because when he walked into the huddle, everybody shut up 
and he called the play. And when I was a kid, he had just retired, and I did remember in the final game of that 1968 season, it was Kenny Plain Day. When you look online, you'll see pictures from, I, I think it's the Tribune, of playing on the field, uh, getting showered with praise and some gifts as the Bombers uh, played the Stampeders. And I remember that because we spent the afternoon, my sister and I spent the afternoon with my Auntie Malky in her Vauxhall Viva washing the car and going for a milkshake and listening to the game as we were doing things and listening to that halftime ceremony. And I knew a few sports names. It was the first year I started following football, so I knew a few sports names. So I knew... uh, from Winnipeg, and these names will come up later in the podcast. I knew some of the football players, Billy Mozienko, right? Because we went to the bowling alley. So we knew the great NHLers were like himself, like Mozienko, Sawchuk. But Kenny Plain was it. He'd come here a few years after Indian Jack Jacobs, who was also, again, I picked up on all this stuff from being around a family that followed sports. My dad was a big fan of Indian Jack Jacobs and the the early 50s iteration of the Bombers, around the time my parents got married. Dr. Tom Casey, then came Jerry James, we'll talk about Jerry James, and then came Plain. So I knew the names, I knew the team history, Ken Plain came here and he was a college football star, a premier NCAA college gridiron star. Winning the Rose Bowl by completing 9 of 10 passes, running for uh, almost, I think it was 60 yards, most valuable player in the Rose Bowl. And for whatever reason, he only got drafted like the 19th round, which I did not realize till this week, of the NFL draft. A superior athlete. How superior an athlete was Ken Plain? When Jim Van Pelt showed up on the scene, Kenny Plain was shifted to uh, some duties at offensive halfback and some duties at uh, more so football, full-time duties at defensive halfback in 1958. He never caught a lot of passes, which I'm going to discuss. There's a few quirks. In 58, he played a lot of offensive halfback. 67 carries. It was 59 that he was switched to defense and had 10 interceptions in one season. That still makes the list of all-time bomber records. That wasn't even his specialty. Playing defensive back. Again, the stuff that legends are made of. Playing out of position, winning championships, leading the league with a great accomplishment, out of position on the defense. To this day, he's fourth on the team in all-time passing yards. He's fifth 
in all-time completions. He's third for passing touchdowns. Again, behind uh, the more modern-day players. Well, actually, Dieter Brock was was the first quarterback we we that stuck around because Don Jonas, who we loved, didn't stick around. But Dieter Brock was uh, very different from Kenny Plain, but he was the one that gave us championship hopes. Brock, Harry Jones, Kenny Plain, and right behind him, Jack Jacobs. I said about interceptions, the only guys with as many as him in a season are a few more. Rod Hill, Roy Bennett, Les Brown. These are all top shelf, all Canadian defensive backs, as Ken Plain was. So as a quarterback, as a safety, and as a kicker, this guy could do everything. And I mean everything. One year... For reasons that I, I'm not entirely clear on, but it could be some sort of injury or just a hunch that Bud Grant had. In his rookie year, Ken Plain kicked converts. I had thought he had also kicked field goals. He never, it doesn't look like he ever attempted one. Kicked 25 converts out of 32 attempts, which in those days was a very exceptional. That's 70, that's like almost 80%. He's a hell of a kicker. The one thing he never did was, did, he never punted. He Not even a quick kick. But then Ken Plain stuck around. When I was growing up, I knew of his daughter Carol as an absolute top-notch basketball player. He worked at CJOB. He was a voice on the air on the football broadcast for many years. Worked in sales uh, with OB and was an ambassador for the sport, for the radio station, and for our city. That's right. There's nothing but high praise for Kenny Plain. And I look at, at some names that I, I either of guys that I met uh, over the course of my career in and out in a round of sports, sports reporting, world of athletics. And I met a few of these guys, Milt Stiegel, for instance, uh, Ron Williams. I worked in radio with him for the summer of 94. What a great guy. And I look at some of these names that are mixed in of these all-time bomber greats, record setters, etc. And I know every one of them looked up to Kenny Plain. Was awarded the Order of Manitoba in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame, Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame, of course. And I saw that it took till 1987 to induct him. I don't understand that at all. That is weird when you think of it. Why did they take so long to put him in the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame? Especially considering some of the characters that are in there. Well, Kenny Plain set standards. He was a gentleman. Affable. Very much represented an era through the 50s and 60s in Winnipeg along with Bud Grant. And then there's all these other bomber legends that, that go with Ken Plain. Well, the same as you think of uh, 
George Reed and Ronnie Lancaster in Saskatchewan or Russ Jackson and Ron Stewart in Ottawa, you'd think about Kenny Plain and Leo Lewis. Another great NFL-level star. And Bud Grant himself, who had played in the National Basketball uh, Association uh, and, won a ch- as I recall, won a championship and played in the NFL and went back to coach in the NFL, left Winnipeg, sending us into the doldrums, and took the Vikings to four Super Bowls. These guys were sports gods to us. One other I want to mention, I'm going to hit a small break, come back and tell my Kenny Plain story with audio, is uh, one of the other names you'd associate with Kenny Plain was Jerry James. Jerry James passing away the day after Ken Plain, a year older, age 89. Uh, he was already done. He was still playing uh, hockey. As a, I think he was a player coach in Melville or something, and I remember hearing his name come up on radio broadcasts when I was quite young. Um, he was already done with football, but he was also a legend. Uh, as his father had been, as uh, as Dynamite Eddie James had been. These were names you knew of, and guys like Vince Lee and Jack Matheson would mention them in, in sports columns and keep keep these memories alive for everyone. Jerry James was another one of those players, also famous because he was good enough, and it was really because he was tough enough, to play in the six-team National Hockey League made it to the Stanley Cup Finals uh, the same year as the Grey Cup uh, Finals, winning on one side, losing on the other through no fault of his own. And Jerry James is still on the the record lists, some of the record lists, with Kenny Plain. And uh, actually, before I forget, anybody who, who... uh, dabbles in Wikipedia, I have found a mistake. Jerry James listed right behind Leo Lewis, most career touchdowns in Winnipeg, Steagle far ahead, Charlie Roberts, then Leo Lewis and Jerry James, and James Murphy right, uh, right behind James. And then most touchdowns in a, in a season, uh, Jerry James set that record in, I can't remember when it was, I think it was 1955, no, 57, 57. Uh, and Milt Stiegel beat it. And in Wikipedia, it lists that as 2002. So somebody went in and and copied the the year that Milt Stiegel broke the record or tied it and then broke it with James. So if somebody's Wikipedia fluent enough to fix that, that would probably be a good thing. Imagine that. Kenny Plain comes up from winning the Rose Bowl. He turns around and he can hand the ball off to Jerry James or Leo Lewis or Charlie Shepard, the punter and fullback. Another reason why Kenny Plain never had to punt the football is because Charlie Shepard was around for the quick kicks. And he turned around his rookie season. He handed it off to Jerry James, who gained 1,192 yards. Almost 1,200 yards. 19 touchdowns was the Bombers field goal kicker. An amazingly talented bunch of guys in that post-World War II generation. Canadian and American. Not just the Americans, and I've mentioned various names, Ernie Pitts, for instance, but the Canadian players, Steve Patrick, George Druxman, uh, Roger Savoy, Pepe Laterell, uh, uh, Norm Rawhouse was uh, was Canadian.
these were all great players through an era that was before mine. And you'd hear so much about it, and you'd read about it when the Bombers had a great team as opposed to what they had when we were when I was a kid till Don Jonas got here and there was a glimmer of hope for two years and then it was not a lot of hope and didn't win a great my God, like from the time Kenny Plain we didn't win a great cup like my whole childhood. That's why nineteen eighty four was such a big deal. But as great as those bomber teams were that won great cups, 84, 88, and 90, they didn't have a quarterback. Nothing against Tom Clements. And the game had changed substantially. Look how much the game had changed. How great was Kenny Plain? With all these guys racking up enormous yards, Kevin Glenn over a five years, six years here, Akari Jones in maybe five years. And Kenny Plain's like right behind them for most passing yards in a career. Consistency, reliability, able to read, ability to read defenses, mobility out of the pocket, and a leader in the huddle. When we come back, when I come back, and it's just a short drop, we're not, not running big commercials, just to separate the episode out a bit. I'm going to come back, I'm going to tell you my personal Kenny Plain story of when I was doing something that was really important to me, and he was more than happy more than happy, as you'll hear, to help me out. I'll be back in uh, about 35 seconds. This episode of The Great Canadian Talk Show is sponsored by PKP Renovations and Repairs. We take pride in the neighbourhoods we work in. Serving the North End, West Kildonan and the Maples Garden City area for over 20 years. Call 204 297 5446 or email us at info at pkprenovations.com. We help make sure Winnipeg has good homes for good people. Back with more of our special episode of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast, this tribute to Kenny Plain. And now the personal part, my personal story here about me and Kenny Plain, and when I met him, and, and he did me a big favor. In 1998, I was still recovering from uh, injuries sustained in a, in a, as a one-car car accident in particular, but there had been an accumulation of injuries, and I'd had a very rough time for a few years. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do career-wise. It's one of the things that led me back into radio eventually. But first, the fellow that people, if you listen to us on Kick FM, you folks would have heard the name Dirty Dan Denton. He was a football player, with uh, a junior football player in Winnipeg. He's from St. James and won the championship under Coach Bob Sikorsky in 1983. He went into the wrestling business, big, tough heel, went off to Vancouver, did the, t- did the na- nationwide TV, um, developed a name for himself, and I was lucky to be a sidekick for a number of years. And uh, that is what took me to the West Coast, those misadventures, in and around, basically, uh, movies and docu- sports documentaries and, and live, you know, live events, and such things that brought me back to Winnipeg, brought me back to radio, and eventually brought me to this podcast. In any event, the summer of 1998, Denton was in town visiting with his mom and his brother and writing a screenplay. And so we went to various places, me doing the driving, him doing the drinking, uh, bending elbow and talking with the locals as he developed characters and and uh, ideas about this screenplay, which uh, was very Winnipeg and a lot of the themes is darn good stuff. 
And one of the places we go to hang around that summer was the press club. And we'd visit with various friends, from, in particular from the television industry, um, uh, newsmen, people, uh, producers, there'd be various other writers, and you know, certainly characters from the, the, the Son of the Free Press as well. I mean, Denton had been a newspaper guy. So it was an easy place to go and to see people and to have a good time. And our last visit there, I looked at the barkeep as she delivered a round of refreshments, and I said, hey, what do you guys have planned for a Grey Cup? Because in 1998, the Grey Cup was being played in Winnipeg. And she said, oh, nothing. And I thought, well, that's, I mean, I said aloud, like, what? Nothing. And as we're walking out into the bright August sunshine, I'm still muttering about this. And then says, Martin, what, what, do you, what do you think they should be doing? And I said, well, I don't know, an Angela Mosca roast? And that was one of the best ideas of my life. Uh, and so thinking about it uh, and getting some encouragement, then, you know, wasn't that bad of an idea, was it? I met with the board and came to a, a deal in terms of the ticket prices and what I get paid to produce it and I would host it. And they wanted to have a stand-up comic. So, uh, and they had the, the press club. Jane Graham was one of the people there. Uh, she was the president of the time. And so uh, they wanted Kenny Robinson as an, as an act, uh, the comedian. And there was a, an, an up-and-coming, uh, what's a female troubadour? A singer, girl with a, a, accompany herself with a guitar. And she was, I think, just releasing her first album. So they booked her. So there's, you know, music and a comic. And then the, the Angela Mosca roast where various people would come up. One of the people who came up to give Angela Mosca a gift that day was Brian Koschel, who phoned me when he found out about this because it got a lot of publicity, a lot of, a lot of helping hands, in the Winnipeg media, including this event as part of the Grey Cup Week coverage. Uh, and I saved all the clippings, as it turns out. And one of them was one of the people who called me was Brian Koschel, who is a CBC veteran. And speaking of veterans, he was also involved, as I recall, with the, with the Canadian military. And he wanted to give an, uh, a certificate or something to Angela Mosca. And I said, no, yeah, court, what do you think I'm going to say? Come on down, Brian. And crowbarred Brian Koschel into the, into the program and the press club had their own ideas. They gave a lifetime membership to Moscus that he could uh, attend for, you know, for free anytime he happened to be down in, in, in Winnipeg. But, of course, as their honoree for a Great Cup week, they needed to give a gift, and I had the idea of exactly what you're going to want to give to Mosca. A Winnipeg Blue Bomber jersey. And everybody laughed. And there's, I said, well, there's only one guy who can give the Blue Bomber jersey to Angela Mosca. And so it uh, might have been Scott Taylor or somebody else gave me the phone number and I called Kenny Plain. I'd never spoken with Kenny Plain. I'd never met him. Uh, he loved the idea. He laughed and laughed. The press club had an, an honorarium set aside for Kenny Plain because he's making the presentation in essence on their behalf. And he'd have no part of it. Now, when I mentioned on Twitter that people were talking about Kenny Plain, and and I mentioned that uh, in the back end of our YouTube channel, I've got raw footage from the Angela Mosca roast. And although I usually think of it in terms of Mosca, I got the footage of Kenny Plain and a few other people, Brian Williams of CBC, for instance. And I mentioned this online, and, and the first clip you're going to hear uh, was when someone involved in this Twitter conversation, who's very tied in with writing bomber books and, and uh, fundraising events and other things, and he said, Ken would tell me his back and shoulders still hurt 50 years later from the bashing hit Mosca put on him, and guess what? I have 
And you're going to hear Kenny Plain describing the play that Kenny Plain would talk about for decades to come, for the rest of his life. And I have him talking about it that night, 1998, November 26, 1998, Winnipeg Press Club. Here's the first clip, Kenny Plain, talking about uh, what it was like to face Mosca on the field. Now we're talking really about Willie Fleming. I got a Willie Fleming. I got a couple of spots on the back of my neck here. Uh, I got hit a few times by this guy, particularly in 1962. Fog bowl too old. They kicked on the last play. Dummy here fell on it about the five yard line and just pummeled me. Uh. He pummeled me, Angela Mosca. Giving uh, Kenny Plain, you heard the reference to Willie Fleming, whom Mosca had basically crippled. Uh, with a dubious hit late in the 63 Grey Cup. And the year before, he punctuated the end of that game with uh, Hamilton uh, on the, you know, not being able to kick the ball into the end zone, get a, get a, a, a point to uh, get a tying point or whatever. Uh, and Mosca let Kenny Plain have it. It's something Kenny Plain talked about the rest of his life. Now, this event meant a lot to me. And there are a lot of eyes, a lot of media was attending, including media, as I mentioned, Brian Williams from CBC from out of town, the Great Cup. There's, oh, is it uh, McClanahan, I think, from the Calgary Stampeders was there. And various other Winnipeg luminaries uh, from the Sun, from the Free Press, from uh, the radio stations. Uh, and um, uh, it, was, it was a bash. And it was funny. And I, I had a lot riding on it. Because if it's going to be... You know, if it's a success, it's going to open doors for me. And, and it did. It was part of, part of the things I did that led me back onto the air on Winnipeg Radio, which actually was in 1999, actually on CFRW. Like, like, this is like six, seven months later. I was on the air, six months later, I was on the air at CFRW on Talk Radio 1290. So this was part of that progression of my career. And, you know, my dad's two favorite athletes were Gordy Howard, Kenny Plain, and his two most hated were John Ferguson and Angela Mosca. And I got these two guys in a room. And I managed to pull off something. You'll hear next, there'll be a bit of a glitch in the sound. And then you're going to hear Kenny Plain begin to talk with envy about the party we were throwing for Angelo Mosca that night in Winnipeg. It's great to have Angie here in town. You know, I've lived here 40 years, Angie, and I've never had an exception like this. You come in here for one night, dressed in, dressed, dressed in the outfit, you're dressed in, and you get this great, all these gifts and everything. Moscow was wearing a tracksuit. <laughs> he didn't wear it. He was not dressed up at all for the event, which was just him. Uh, he's a big guy anyways. And... Uh, for Kenny Plain to say that in 40 years, he'd never had an event like that. Even if he meant it half in jest, that's really something. I wish you guys could see the smile on my face right now just thinking about it. I mean, you could see, on the video, you'd, you could see it because I'm in the background behind them. And man, was I proud. And then you'll hear another little audio glitch here. And here's where Plain... Kenny Plain makes the award of a number 68 Winnipeg Blue Bomber jersey Mosca did not know was coming. So Kenny pulled it out of the box and gave the dreaded Hamilton Tiger Cat defensive mainstay. 
gave him a bomber jersey. Again, you'll hear a bit of an audio glitch, and uh, this happening because I'm I'm new to doing this some of this uh, transition stuff here. But you'll hear the little conversation between Kenny Plain and Angela Mosca next. And Angelo Mosca, the next morning, this was the Thursday night, the Friday morning was the Blue Bomber breakfast, Grey Cup breakfast. Angelo Mosca wore that Winnipeg Blue Bomber number 68 jersey to the breakfast. And everybody was talking about it. And for me to be able to get Kenny Plain to participate in what we call in the wrestling business, Angelo Mosca, of course, being a legendary wrestler, as well as a football star, to be able to get Kenny Plain to help me rib Angelo Mosca. Genuinely one of the proudest accomplishments of my life. So... It affects an entire generation, pretty much from both my age and younger, that Kenny Plain has passed on. And he was indeed, to us, a mythical King Arthur who led us to victory after victory. And 1960 would have been a victory too if he hadn't have broken his wrist and continued to play and fumbled the ball late in the game trying to protect the lead. It would have been five straight Grey Cups, and I'm sure 1960. The the Bombers, I've watched that 1960 game. No offense to the uh, Ottawa Rough Rider fans out there, but I do believe Kenny Plain would have outdueled Russ Jackson that day with that great Bomber team. So that's my little piece of history with Kenny Plain. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'd like to do more sports stories, and probably will. And you look under the sports tab, you'll see a tribute to Bobby Hull that uh, that we that I did. Uh, we did an interview with Peter Young, and I'm hoping to do another sports special. I think that the sports episodes uh, are, unless they're sort of contemporaneous to what's going on around Winnipeg and Manitoba, I think they're going to be tagged as specials from here on out. Um, I started out as a sportscaster. That's how I got into the wrestling business. And uh, to paraphrase Craig Nettles, I always, you know, when I was a kid, I either want to be a sportscaster or or join the circus and by going into professional wrestling I was able to do both um, and uh, means a lot to me that I've got this video I'm going to find somebody that will be able to work with this a little bit we'll get these clips uh, up one way or the other uh, of Kenny Plain um, as brief as they are it means a lot to, to see the smile on his face especially uh, as he gave Angela Mosca that, uh, that bomber jersey Man, just really, really something to have been lucky enough to take part in, thanks to the press club putting their trust in me to be able to produce an event that would bring credit onto them and that would be entertaining and, dare I say, memorable. And uh, I was glad to be able to do it. And I know my father would have been proud. That concludes this episode. We'll be back with a regular series of uh, 
events where I talk about crime in the community, municipal politics, provincial politics, societal changes, tips about tips about Bell Media, tips about Bell, tips about transit unions. Got all sorts of material. It's come in. I'm going to get back to that on a a more regular podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please tell your friends. You can follow me on Twitter at TGCTS. Join our Facebook group. uh, And again, under the same name. If you want to get a hold of me, martygoldlive at gmail.com. And if there's sports stories, especially, you know, retro sports stories you want me to talk about, look into or do interviews, I'd love to. I've interviewed... Boy, once upon a time, I interviewed Frank Mahovlich. Uh, I've interviewed Jumpin' Jimmy Brunzel and Baron Von Raschke. <laughs> uh, and other sports luminaries as well. And I'd be glad to have an opportunity to talk with more of them. If that's what you all want to hear. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Kenny Plain, for making so many memories for the people of Winnipeg, and Manitoba. Thanks for listening to the Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to tgcts1 at gmail.com or follow him on Twitter at tgcts. <laughs>